It's time for the Talent Talk Radio Show, brought to you by People G2, a nationwide leader in background checks and employment screening solutions. People G2 gives their clients access to the best human capital management and due diligence tools available. They are dedicated to helping their clients with all of their people-related decisions. To learn more, go to www.peopleg2.com. Talent Talk centers on the topics of talent recruitment and management, leadership development, company culture, and employee engagement. These are all timely topics for CEOs, entrepreneurs, HR professionals, and business leaders. We hope that as you tune in to listen each week, whether to the live broadcast or to the podcast on iTunes or iHeartRadio, that you hear something you can take away that will help you grow and impact your career in a positive way. And now, here's the host of the Talent Talk Radio Show, the founder and CEO of People G2, Chris Dyer. Hey, welcome to Talent Talk. It's Tuesday. It's 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, and that means we are live with two more fantastic guests. We talk about talent, talk about culture, talk about leadership development, and really anything else that's going on in the minds of some of the most talented people in the talent world, and we have them here with us today. So we are going to try to dive into what's happening. We're at the time of, of this recording. We're kind of getting into the last part of 2020, which the end of this year cannot come fast enough for many of us and uh, certainly has been a challenging year. And we're hoping for a better one next year. But I think there's a lot of things we still have to do this year. There's a lot of things we need to be thinking about and we hope to kind of get into that today. Um, really, this, for as long as the show has been around, we have been, I think, the recipient and very, very, very lucky of, of getting so many wonderful stories from our guests and, and understanding how you know, particular moments, uh, particular lessons and things that have happened in their lives are things that we can hear and learn from ourselves and take back into our own companies, our cultures, our relationships with our, with our peers and our direct reports, or even, even back at, with the family. So uh, a lot of those uh, great stories were put in my first book, The Power of Company Culture. If you're interested in checking that out, you can get it wherever you buy books. And as of last night, we just found out that it has been translated into Vietnamese. So if you prefer to, li- to read it in that, or if you're listening in from that country, we have people from all around the world, uh, you can find it wherever you buy your books there. So um, Talent Talk is live every Tuesday Pacific uh, time at 1 p.m. But most of you come in after the fact. So a good, a good portion of you come in and listen to us as a podcast after the fact on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Podbean. Go to our site, talenttalkradio.com. Uh, maybe Spotify, there's a really uh, more choices than I think I can even remember to rattle off on where you can find your podcast. Guess what? We're there. Just find the one that you like, go there, subscribe so that you don't miss future episodes. You get alerted to any uh, changes or episodes or upcoming things that are uh, might be of interest to you. Now, a last bit of business before we get into who our guests are today. We do love to live tweet uh, our, our session here today, our our live session. And so we like to put the best comments, the best bits of wisdom, links to their profiles, maybe books they've suggested, anything that's a resource for our audience. So go to Twitter, follow at PeopleG2, or you can follow the hashtag Talent Talk. And my social media coordinator, Angela, will feed me uh, any great questions that come from that. And we'll certainly keep the conversation going with you if you want to do that. All right. So my guests on the show today are Tracy uh, Sponenberg, she's the Chief People Officer for the Granite Group. 
And then we'll bring in my second guest after the commercial break, Claude Silver. She's the chief heart officer at VaynerMedia, um, one of the world's first chief office, heart officers, which isn't a surprise from VaynerMedia that was doing new and exciting things. So we'll get to her after the second half of the show. But let's go ahead and bring in my first guest. Really excited to have her back. Well, not back, but rescheduled because we had to cancel uh, the original uh, iteration of this show because, well, my house and the studio almost burned down. Uh, well, it was about a month ago or so, but we're all okay. Everything turned out great, and we are so excited to have Tracy on the show. So, Tracy, welcome. Thank you, Chris. I'm really glad to be here, and I'm certainly glad everyone's okay, and I'm also glad I don't have to follow Claude, who is amazing. So <laughs> thank you for scheduling me first. You're very welcome, and uh, I'm, I'm sure you're going to be wonderful, and you probably say the same about you, but maybe you could tell us all a little bit about you you know, maybe sort of your journey and how you end up where you're at and where are you now and what are you doing and kind of give us that that context. Sure. I'm one of these, I think, rare, weird people who knew what they wanted to do in high school. And, and now I try to describe myself as a business professional who specializes in people. But when I got into the world of HR, it was as um, as a high schooler really working in personnel. And so I've spent my whole career in the the people field and, and really found that that was my home. And I've had a number of different positions. I started with UPS. So I started in a really large global company uh, doing recruiting and all kinds of different things. And then I realized that that really wasn't where I was meant to be. I, I found my home in sort of mid-sized companies where I could really have an impact in the business. So now I'm the chief people officer for the Granite Group, which is a company based in Concord, New Hampshire, which is also where I live. And we're a wholesaler of plumbing, heating, cooling water, and propane supplies. So we have 600 people all over New England, 46 different locations. We're growing rapidly. And we're really, you know, I walked into a company that was a really, really great place to work. So so now we're getting to explore that and share that with others. And, and um, our people really have a place that they can be proud of externally as well as internally. And, and so we've done a lot of fun things there. And sort of on the side, I do I got into speaking a few years ago, and I'm sure we'll get into this. I'm an introvert, so that was a really weird, hard journey for me. But I do some speaking, and um, that's been really fun. And that's really opened up my world uh, to a lot of different things. And doing something like this would have been impossible five years ago for me. Absolutely impossible. So maybe let's talk about that. I mean, I, I, I would love to try to understand the, I guess the, I guess the way in which you think and the way in which you might approach certain things as an introvert, because I would sort of label myself as a card carrying extrovert. Um, and so I often have to remind myself sometimes that not everybody wants to be on a stage. Not everybody wants to stand up and give a speech or to, to be the center of attention, right? And there are, there are other ways and sometimes better ways to be more effective that my, my friends and employees that are introverts often show me. So what has that been like for you? You know, I think leading as an introvert was is different, and it can be really a positive thing because I'm more careful, thoughtful, more deliberative, but that can also be a negative, so I can be slower to make decisions. I have to actively work on, um, you know, not ready. I say I'm ready, aim, 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 fire instead of ready, fire, aim, which I think a lot of my extrovert friends are, are like, and so I have to actively work at taking more risks, and as far as speaking, I just stumbled into that a few years ago. I had a chance to co-present instead of saying no 
like I had a hundred other times, I said yes. And then that led to more things. And what I realized was that I had been doing what I did for 20 years at that point. And I had something to say. And the feedback I got, not on how I um, spoke, because I was terrible, uh, but the feedback I got on the impact of the words and the stories and the experiences, like you talked about in the intro, that everyone has a story, that's what kept me going. And mm. so everyone has a story to share. Everybody has influence in some way, shape, or form. And I really looked at that as, you know, why wouldn't I share that if I had something to say that could help someone? Yeah. So it's been a fun journey. Yeah, I think one of the things that I had to learn early on and, and wanting to sort of use that lens of an extrovert into all my interactions was that I would be the first to talk and I'd be the loudest and I'd be the most excited and I would, right? And so sometimes that, that was a good thing and then sometimes it was a really bad thing because you know, other people didn't get to be heard. Maybe my idea wasn't as good as somebody else's or somebody else had, you know, a better variation that would have helped us. And so for me, I've learned to like shut up and then be my extroverted self at the end, right? So I'm not sucking all the air out of the room if I'm in a room full of introverts, right? Let them talk first, let the ideas come out. And then I can be really excited and and then, you know, take the charge and, 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 and let my, I guess those abilities come through. If we reverse that, right? How do you see that? I mean, if how are you yeah. using sort of your that part for your to your advantage? So, so my good friend Michelle Strasberger. So we have a, a project we do a um, work on HR rebooted together, and and so we met when she took over my old job, and she's a card carrying extrovert, and so we talk about this a lot. Actually, she sort of speeds me up and I slow her down where she kind of pulls me forward and I pull her back. And I think that that's a nice balance where uh, I think everyone, every introvert should have an extrovert friend and vice versa, because especially, you know, back when we were going to events and those sorts of things that we used to do a hundred years ago, uh, she was a great person to, <laughs> to have, right? So, in a, you know, she would walk up and introduce herself to people, which I would never do. Um, but yet I probably, you know, I called it an early night, which may have been good for her. Who knows at the end? But I, um, you know, at a certain level, it was, you know, hard for me. But it was, re- it's really good for me to have uh, champions who can kind of push me out of my comfort zone. And I have a lot of them, unfortunate. Yeah, that's really great. So, I mean, we're, we're, we're here with uh, Chrissy Schoenberg with the Granite Group. And um, I, I, one of the things I kind of wanted to, make sure that we we dove into because we we often sometimes in the show talk about these like i guess very broad like 30,000 foot level things right and and often some of our best responses some of the best things we get are like more specific what i mean by that is like what are you specifically really thinking about and and working on right now that maybe other people in your position should be thinking about The biggest thing right now I think that we're working on at work is trying to figure out how we can create a really personalized, curated experience for our team. We have 45 locations. We're mostly customer-facing. We're an um, essential business, so we've been working throughout the entire pandemic. And that experience 
looks very different for our people than it does for people of, say, a tech company or people who have the ability to work remotely all of the time. So how can we make sure that there's a consistent and seamless yet personalized experience from pre-onboarding all the way to the exit uh, of someone from our company and that we treat people as well from when they come in to when they leave? And, and we actually had the opportunity to add somebody to my team internally and we brought her on as a people experience manager and that's her job is to figure out what that looks like that's a a massive part of her job so there's a lot of things I think that's the biggest thing we're looking at all of our technology again we did that about four years ago we're looking at um, learning and what that looks like now for our people we're looking at uh, flipping our recruiting right now we're decentralized and we're looking at creating a, a central environment for recruiting so there's a lot of really fun things that we're working on right now and, and that's i guess it's great that you guys are taking that time to, to to think about those things because one of the things that i've noticed a lot of leaders are talking about is that for them especially during this time leadership has changed a little bit uh, maybe we could come up with a list of like certain qualities or things that are always going to be part of that common denominator of what makes a good leader. But I think what makes a good leader right now has been tweaked a little bit. And so are you seeing that certain people in your organization or uh, maybe across the, the network of people that you're, you're working with, interacting with, are having to make a change and that, that sort of redefining what good leadership looks like today? I think that, we're fortunate in our company and I've talked a lot about my relationship with my CEO, which evolved over time to, to be as, as good as it is now, but he's an excellent leader. And really when you go through a crisis, like we've been through your culture can either make or break you. And in our case, we, we're coming out stronger. We're not out, but we're coming out stronger because we had a good foundational culture. But I think what I've seen in our organization and certainly in, um, friends is that empathy and vulnerability and other skills like that have never been more important. And, you know, I uh, lost my mother over the summer and, you know, there's a whole lot that went into it from not being able to see her to the, you know, it was just, it, it was awful. And it was a terrible time and trying to do that and balance the emotional weight of all of my people on top of that was, was just crazy. So a couple of months ago we had a leadership meeting and I told that story and half of our leadership team knew and half didn't uh, about my mom. And I just said, it was hard for me to get up a lot of days and I was depressed and I was sad. And um, I'm going to share this with you because we're talking about vulnerability and and in order to encourage your people to be vulnerable, you have to be vulnerable yourself. We need to check in with everybody and ask, how is your mental health? How is, how are you feeling? How's your family? We need to ask these questions that, you know, pre pandemic, we may have been afraid to ask. And and these things are more important than ever. They should have been important all along, but they're critical now. Right. Right. And that it is really important. I mean, us having those conversations and talking about those things. And this has come up a couple of times in the show about this idea of vulnerability. And I think the common consensus has been it's it's really good to be vulnerable about something like what you just shared, right? That you had something going on in your life that made things very difficult. Um, and it is really good to, to ask people about how they're doing and to, to have that vulnerable moment with them. But I think where there's been some disagreement has been, do we really want to be completely vulnerable downhill? Like do our people, the people that report to us want us to show up and be like, 
I'm just, I'm a complete wreck and I don't know what to do and I'm whatever. And then they're like, whoa, like if you don't know what to do, how am I supposed to survive? <laughs> right. And yeah. so are we supposed to be vulnerable up, uphill, right? Yeah. Uh, a bit more. So what do you think about that? You know, I think that's interesting, and I think it really depends on the person. It depends on the culture. My nature isn't to share everything. Some people will, and some people can be very effective leaders and do that. Um, that's not something that I could do. So I think for me, I shared certainly a, a fair amount with my team, but it's that balance for me of, okay, I need to be an effective leader, and I, I want to show my vulnerability, but I, I can't fall apart. Uh, and that's not to say that's not okay to do that. I just think that that, for me, that's not where I was comfortable. Um, but that's that's really tough because right now it is okay to fall apart, and people are doing that regularly. Um, I don't know. That's a that's a really good question. I'm kind of split on that, and yeah. I think it really depends on the person. Right, right. And I, I've seen some leaders that, to your point, that seem to know how to walk that line and they can do it. And I've seen other ones where they're losing people because they're just like an emotional wreck with their people sure. and their people don't feel safe if their leader can't show some bit of strength and some bit of resolve, right? You so. got to have that psychological safety. And, and if you do have a leader who um, can't can't kind of get things together for you as part of a team to feel psychologically safe, that that, that can be kind of dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I've certainly had to be, you know, a bit more rigid and tough with like my executive team, but then I'll go to my CEO group and just be a complete wreck. Right. And cause I'm with peers and I can be, you know, tell them what I'm really thinking or what I'm really worried about or whatever. So yeah, it, but I, you're kind of playing that game a little bit. Yeah. Well, in light of, I guess, with all that's been going on, all that you've been adjusting to besides a pandemic, besides being a, you know, an essential business and, and, and rapid growth. And as you mentioned, uh, losing your mom, um, you know, how have you seen, you know, the, the opportunities for engagement or maybe even changing uh, bits of your culture? Or, or is that something you've even had bandwidth to do, right? Or is it just sort of put a bandaid on things and a little bit of lipstick on a pig and, and <laughs> hope to come back to it next year? Yeah, there's certainly a, a fair amount of that. Um, but we did have the opportunity to reinvent how we did things. So any challenges and opportunities. So this enormous challenge of COVID was an opportunity to figure out how to engage with people in a different way. So I've visited some of our locations, certainly, but there are times when it's not like now where it's not really safe to be out and about and um, interacting with lots of people face to face. So we reinvented how we deliver benefits um, communications and did that over Zoom and engaged spouses. And we reinvented how we did our annual meeting and had 350 people on a Zoom call uh, chatting with our CEO and, and just was a really cool opportunity to engage with people in a really different way. I've never spent so much time on the telephone. I usually like to be out face to face. So it's, it, that's been great. And on a personal level, I've engaged um, more than ever with people in my network, outside of my network, new friends, old friends, um, regularly. I have a Rebels call every 3 o'clock on uh, Wednesday afternoons that I try not to miss with people from all over the world just talking about um, everything, 
to support each other, to bouncing around ideas, to make our companies better places to work, to um, people are looking for jobs. It's just a really cool opportunity to engage. To today, um, I, I talked with a, a tech CEO over in England who I knew from Twitter. Um, these are all things that are new to me in the past few years and enrich my life and make me much, much better at my job, much better at my job. So it's interesting that this sort of shift has caused you to go, I mean, it sounds like you're doing more things that are, I would categorize as extroverted, um, you know, as, as a part of your ability to, to shift and, and to do some of these things that need to be done with it, with what has changed. Uh, I mean, just your comment about, I would rather be normally on the field now I'm on the phone more. I mean, that's, that's almost sounds like a bit of a shift. So, yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, and when I say out in the field, our locations are like five to eight people. So mm-hmm. it's, they're small. I'm not walking in. The ones that are 20 people are hard for me to walk into. Mm-hmm. But if they're five people and I know them all, that's easy. Uh, something like this is an introvert's dream. Um, LinkedIn, <laughs> Twitter, really easy to dip your toes into social media uh, because you can think before you hit post. Yeah. Well, what can you tell me as you are visiting and you are talking to your, you know, your staff as they are frontline workers? I mean, what are you seeing about uh, how they're handling things? What's the impact on them? And and how are you guys able to to help them, you know, mitigate some of that? I think in the beginning, it was really everybody was just really scared, right? So we didn't know what was going on. We had masks before we had to have masks and we had to figure things out before we knew what we had to do because we kept people working because literally we sell toilets and everybody needs them. And this Mm -hmm. was an essential service. So we had to figure out how to keep going. So it was doing a lot of calming the fears. And then, um, it was communicating. So we communicated out every day and opened the lines of communication, gave out my cell phone, gave out the CEO's cell phone, just really encouraged people to to talk to us. And that's really how we knew what was going on. So if we were getting a lot of calls about X, Y, or Z, we could pivot and really focus on that. And then when we had our first case, we got that out immediately. We put a statement out to the media because we had an early case and that was the news got a hold of it. And um, so we just tried to do the right thing every step of the way. And, and that goes for now and in, in making sure that we're talking to people all day, every day and uh, figuring out what people need. And it's different for everyone. Schooling is a challenge. And we took a really personalized approach to that instead of creating a policy that says we're going to X, Y, Z. You've got challenges with remote school. Talk to us. We'll help you figure out something that works for everybody. Right, right. Well, and, and that's really, I guess, part of the big key, right, is just figuring that out, making those adjustments, figuring out what people really need, uh, adding that high level of communication. And we've seen the best organizations, the best leaders have uh, really upped their communication levels, um, and not just in volume, but in um, platform, right, in mediums, that they're not just doing it in one way, right? It's not just send more emails. It's not have more phone calls. It's not have more Zoom meetings. It's how do you do a little bit more of everything so that you can hit all the different types of people in your organization because not everybody wants a Zoom call, not everybody wants an email, not everybody wants a Slack. Right. I mean, just, there's, and, you know, you in a normal situation, we can say, well, you know, tough bananas, if we're doing a Zoom call. If you want to know what's going on, show up to the Zoom call, but Home mailings and that face-to-face with our, our managers and our regional directors getting right in front of people, we, that, that's critical. 
we have a driver test that we need to make sure that if our drivers know about it, who are um, in the building the least, then we know we've done our job in communication. So does this really uh, connect to, I know you guys had this initiative, uh, this transition from paper first to people first. Is that a part of this as well? That was really my personal transition. So I was really, um, now our company was heavily, we had a 51 page new hire pack in the paper and we fixed that in the first couple of years. But I was really a traditional old school HR lady, right? So I was like in that traditional Karen from HR, HR lady, like sign this form, come to me and sit here for three hours while I explain our handbook in great detail. And, um, and so that was an evolution over time. And I don't, think I realized what I was doing when I was in it and it wasn't until later and it wasn't until almost this job really that I fully kind of transformed into wow you know maybe people should come first right and so I fully embrace that and I champion that because I see it all the time in others that that's not always the case it seems simple but it's not right right absolutely Well, we have two quick questions we want to make sure we ask before we wrap this up here today. And the first one is, is there a book that you're reading these days that you might uh, share with us? I have lots of books, lots of things that I'm I'm looking into, lots of things that I've read. But what I like to recommend is instead of a business book, read something fun and something stupid fun and take your mind off the day-to-day business. So that's one thing that I try to do every night is read for a half hour some stupid, like, mystery novel i'm not going to say who because i've just said stupid like three times so yes <laughs> but something less serious to take your mind I mean, that's, it's exactly fun. there you go and this is why we ask this question we get so many different types of suggestions and i think they're all they've been really really great so um well the last thing is is how can people find out more about you about your business maybe they're interested in working for you maybe they need your services whatever it is what's the best way for them to find out more Yeah, connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm pretty sure I'm the only Tracy Sponenberg. You can follow me on Twitter at Tracy at at Tracy Spon, Tracy with an IE. Um, And I have a website, TracySponenberg.com. And you can check out HRRebooted.com. In case any of you are, uh, you know, spelling challenged, it is S-P-O-N-E-N-B-E-R-G. Um, Because I, if you would have said that, I probably would have done it the other way with the W. So. Um, anyways, but thank you so much for being on the show today. Hopefully people can, uh, connect and and learn more and, uh, really appreciate everything you walked us through. And hopefully we can have you come back at some point, uh, for another show and and learn about all the cool things that you're doing. Great. Thanks for having me. All right. Thank you, Tracy. We'll be right back after this quick commercial break and we'll bring in our next guest, Claude Silver, Chief Heart Officer of VaynerMedia. Imagine buying a newspaper and discovering that the news you're reading is six months old. There isn't much that stays the same for six months. And the same thing goes for background checks. In a time when so much outdated information is being passed around, it's good to know that People G2 offers something different. At People G2, we provide today's intelligence, not yesterday's news. Our value-added approach offers you a fully FCRA-compliant solution that includes up-to-the-minute information. By combining industry-leading technology with old-school human investigation, People G2 is able to give you information that is accurate right now, delivered quickly to our online system, or integrated with your HR system. So ask yourself, are you comfortable working with old news, or are you ready for a different kind of background check company? 
Visit PeopleG2.com or call 800-630-2880. That's 800-630-2880 or PeopleG2.com. Welcome back to the Talent Talk Radio Show. In case you missed my first guest, Tracy Sponnenberg. You can listen to her interview live as well as this one or any other past show we've got by going to TalentTalkRadio.com. You can subscribe there with Podbean. You can go to iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeart, wherever you find your podcast. Please go there, subscribe, so you never miss an episode. All right, my next guest, we're excited to have her here today, is Claude Silver. She's the Chief Heart Officer at VaynerMedia, one of the first ever Chief Heart Officers, and we're going to find out more about that in just a moment. Uh, don't forget, we're also live tweeting this. Follow at PeopleG2 or the hashtag Talent Talk. You can ask us questions. You can give us suggestions. You can argue with us. Tell us we're smart. Tell us we're stupid. Whatever you want, we're there to have a conversation. But uh, let's go ahead and bring in uh, Claude. Claude, welcome to the show today. Great to be here, Chris. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, and thank you for putting up with our uh, need to reschedule as we, we kind of rehash with Tracy the crazy fires we had when your show was supposed to be on and not only was uh, myself uh, uh, almost taken down, so was the studio, which was crazy. So thank you so much for your patience. I mean, 2020, it's been, <laughs> you know, I'm glad everyone was okay. And, 2020 is the gift that just keeps on giving. So, yeah, fantastic. Well, why don't you ex- kind of, if anyone has been living under a rock and doesn't know who VaynerMedia is, I guess let's at least introduce yourself who you are how you got where you are and what does VaynerMedia do if, if no one's ever heard of, uh, of Gary yeah amazing okay great well I'm Claude Silver the chief heart officer of VaynerMedia VaynerMedia is a creative advertising agency um, and we are based in New York and right now we're virtual but we're in Singapore London all over the states and Gary Vaynerchuk who is an incredible incredible uh, mentor entrepreneur and all-around uh, disruptor is um, mm-hmm. uh, is our boss, is my boss. So I, a chief heart officer, I take care of all of the people. I literally am in the business of the people, whereas there's the business of the finances. Everything I do is to nurture, develop, grow, foster, give tough love to. <laughs> right. <laughs> also a thousand people across the globe, and uh, and I love what I do. I absolutely love it. And if you're able to sit any closer to the mic there, you're a little bit uh, soft compared, I think, to me, so that would be helpful. But, you know, maybe you could talk about what what does a chief heart officer do that maybe would be different than a chief human resources officer or chief people officer or chief executive officer, for that matter? Yeah, totally. I mean, look, I'm making the job up as I go. I'm the first one, so I haven't <laughs> one who gets to put the fingerprint in it. For- love it. Excuse me. For me, it's all about empathy. It is all about teaching the emotional intelligence. It is all about helping someone figure out who they are. It's a coach. I'm a coach. I'm a mentor. I'm a Sherpa. Uh, I am inspiring. The, the difference between me, I will say, is that I was in the business for 20 years. Mm. I worked in advertising, in the business, rolling up my sleeves, doing exactly what it is our employees are doing. And so the ability to really understand what they're going through is, is a, you know, it's a secret tool I have, which is very different than someone that comes up through the world of HR and has learned all the processes and the arts and the science of human resources and benefits and all of those things. 
I came into it from the business and psychology side. So, you know, some people equate me to like Wendy on billions. And I, I say (laughs) without the stilettos probably, but, um, uh, so it's, it's really, excuse me. It's really, really figuring out like where, where are the gifts? What do we, what can we do to continue to like make that fertile soil? Where's any kind of toxicity or cynicism? Figuring that out, figuring out why it's happening. And, you know, we want, we want this to be the greatest human organization of all time is what Gary's on record saying. Right. So in order to do that, you know, I'm, I'm entrusted to scale him every single day and then to scale other people. I think it's really interesting because if you can, you certainly can see Gary's uh, public persona. I mean, he's got the wine business. He's got VaynerMedia. He's out doing garage sales. I mean, he's got so much social content. There must be someone with a camera around him, uh, even in the bathroom, right? I mean, he has so much stuff going out that it, it, it's crazy. And And yet, at the same time, I imagine part of your job is to keep people uh, going, to keep them energized. And part of that, though, is to keep them from burning out, right, from, from overdoing it. And yet you, here you have a guy who, at least from the public perception, is overdoing it all the time. I mean, that's part of his thing. It's part of how he's wired. And there are unique individuals that work that way. Not everybody does. So how do you balance that, you know? Uh, how, do you, how do you kind of keep that, the energy going, right, keep what's good about that without turning it into something that's maybe negative? Yeah, it's a great question because everyone is always saying, well, Gary's all about hustle, right? You know, Yes, but Gary's also extremely, extremely human. And, you know, in times like when, when COVID hit and we had to send everyone home all of a sudden and we had to figure out how we were going to retain clients and how are we going to turn on a dime and make sure that we're providing them value when they're shrinking their budgets. He is a, he is a wartime general. Like his ethos is to go, go, go because, A, he loves what he does he inspires us all to do it. But also, he's setting the charge. He's like leading the pack. He's never, he doesn't expect anyone to work 16, 18 hours like he does. He really gets it. You've got, you got a kid, you want to go to the soccer games, whatever, whatever. And so that's all, you know, that's part of the, the minestrone soup that we have here. But to answer your question, you know, burnout is real, especially Zoom fatigue is real right now. Mental illness mental health, these are things that are on the tip of our tongues. Meditation, self-care, these are topics that we really have to figure out how to institutionalize and get into the water stream at Maynard so people know that, A, it's okay to take a mental health day. B, it's okay to take mini breaks. C, we offer you meditation. Do it. You know, we offer you life coaching. Do it. These are things that we're offering you because why? Because we want to look after the entire human being. Right. And that's, and that's key. You have to today. You have to. Well, I've been very fortunate that, you know, I, I, I was able to, to work with a lot of organizations. I think I did like 70 trainings from the time COVID, you know, when the pandemic hit. Basically, when California got shut down, then it got real for everybody, right? It was like, well, New York was shut down, but that's New York, right? Once California shut down, then it was like, oh, we better do something. And, and so... Having to train people on how to work remotely, because my organizations always have been remote, um, and how, how to lead that different way, how to have, you know, how do you have breaks and how do you deal with Zoom fatigue and how do you deal with meetings that it's different when you're doing these things and when you were in an office, right? We have this sort of 
I don't know. You almost, it's, it's so easy to learn and there's the movies and there's this, you can pick up in an office how things operate and how you get your, your work done. It's, it's not as easy. It's not as plain. It's not as like uh, someone who's, who has a high IQ doesn't walk in and figure it out in, in 10 minutes like you can in an office, right? So with all that being said, how has leadership then sort of changed for your organization as you guys have had to morph to this new reality, whether it's temporary or permanent or some hybrid version of that in the future? How has that changed for you guys? Yeah, I mean, the, the number one way is we have become much more transparent with our communication. Mm. And I mean, the cadence is even much more frequent. And that, I think, is the number one thing that we've all had to do. You know, when you're in triage, even if you're in a hospital and you're in triage, you need to be communicating. You need to be communicating clearly with specifics and, and frequently, right? Same exact thing when you're in a culture. So that's been amazing. The authenticity, we're all going through the same thing. Whether or not that's your real background or not, like, whoa, you have a lot of books on your shelf. Wow, I have an empty shelf behind me. Like, we're being... We're being invited, like it or not, into other people's homes. So the vulnerability and really the understanding that, like, look, Johnny doesn't necessarily want me in his home. Mm-hmm. But you have to have some kind of humility around that, that none of this is about us. We have to be working together as a collective. And so, you know, those soft skills, the EQ that mm-hmm. I talk about all the time, that's what's needed right now. Like, the IQ will come. That's, that's like, easy. Right. Right, but sometimes common sense just isn't that common to people. Which is, hey, why don't I just like do a check in with you? How are you doing today? How many times did you make chicken last week? What's going on with your family? How's your daughter? Those types of things, icebreakers, just like you know, having like what, what did you binge this weekend on Netflix? Like, right? We're all having the same experiences. So to acknowledge that is a massive win. And then I think the thing, going back to your earlier question, just in terms of like mental health and you know, loneliness is real. Loneliness yeah. is real. And yeah. so you, you have to be checking in with individuals and groups and making sure that people know that they matter. Yeah. And I'm so glad to hear you say that because I feel like there's been a real mistake by a lot of leaders that have gone back to only do check-ins with the individual. Right, and it's become a, at least all these one-on-one meetings, which are overwhelming and they're exhausting, and they're you cannot keep that up, right? Uh, and and also maybe meet your goals and do all the things you need to do. And so it's but when you're doing them as a group, right? I think there are times when you do have to have a one-on-one. There are those moments, but for us, we noticed that to your earlier point, transparency goes way up when you're meeting with a group of people because we can all share information at the same time our empathy and our ability to connect can go up because I may not have a ton in common with one of the people in the group, but two other people do. Right. And so what are we, what are we all binging on Netflix? That's a totally different interaction one-on-one than it is one-on-five. <laughs> right. That's right. That's right. It, it, I, and you realize I, there's three shows that I had no idea what I should be binging right now. Right. Cause <laughs> yeah, right. and, and, you know, I do these things called 12 at 12 and they're literally culture jam sessions. They're 12 o'clock East Coast time. Anyone can come on, London, wherever you are. And, you know, there's 20 people, there's 15 people, and you're connecting the dots. And they're like, oh, my God, I play the drums too. You know, like, this is really cool stuff. This is cool. It's all about connection. And it's going to be all about connection. And, by the way, it always was about connection. (laughs) 
Yeah, and you just have to refine. You have to kind of retool that connection uh, equation, and that's why we're big advocates for group meetings, and we do a lot of like you know very specific meeting types. Right, you can't just show up and meet the same way about all about different things. Right, you meet up. You should be meeting one way about problems, one way about information, one way about you know. There's sort of different ways to connect and collaborate, but communicating that, creating that structure, creating that, you know, what are the rules of engagement? Because it's so different. I think in a traditional office setting, there are these signposts, right? If I walk into the conference room and someone's standing up there with a dry erase pen, we're probably going to brainstorm, aren't we? Right? Like I know what's expected. No one even ever said the words, but we're, I can smell the ink. We're going to brainstorm now. That's the same thing if you walk into the restroom and you're like, hey, what did you do this weekend? Like, It's the same cues. And we miss out. We're missing out on that kind of like, um, you know, just like it's it's, it's just like cognitively like timing out for a second and just being real. You know, where do you want to go to lunch today? Want to go grab a coffee? Like you can't even like do a victory lap high five right now. Right. Unless you're doing it cyberly, like, you know. So yeah. the, I, I think that the key right now, what we all need to be using more of are our ears. And doing yeah, and then hopefully creating those signposts, right? Creating those new environments, those new ways that we can, if we want to have a virtual high five, well, how do we do that now, right? And how do we create that, that space or that place? You know, for us, it's in Slack. We have a water cooler room, and that's where we celebrate and we high five there. It's, we call it our green flag. And, you know, everyone does a little green flag emoji or picture or whatever, right? That's how we, oh, you landed this big account. Way to go, right? And so it's our place. And we were talking with Tracy before this about introverts versus extroverts. And we stumbled upon this accident that actually our extroverts like it because they're getting attention. But our introverts like it because they're getting attention that's not them up on a stage or on a screen with, like, all the spotlights on them at the same time, right? It's this good balance, uh, in between. So, yeah. um, yeah, I guess it's just sort of finding the right way to do it. Yeah, it's awesome. And I think you're right. Slack is great. Gary uses it a lot just to like, you know, put something out there. We have like an everyone Slack. I mean, it's pretty, you know, pretty big in terms of the title, but <laughs> <laughs> chief heart officer is a better title than everyone. But, um, yeah, we're all, we're all in there because we're all in this together and we all, you know, we're, it's the last month before the end of the year, the end of a hell of a year where I think I'm speaking for, for us, but I'm sure I'm speaking for many, many companies that have had to roll up their sleeves and get real, real into the dirt. Yeah. You find that you actually have more resilience than you thought you did. You actually can get through anything. Yeah. Together. Well, and I'm seeing this as uh, a lot of organizations needed the push. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Prior to the pandemic, the first thing we would work on is transparency. And now they've already realized they, ha- they have to be more transparent. They're already doing it because they have a reason to do it, not just because it's nice and it's something they read in a book. Like, we had better do this. Um, we're seeing that they're meeting in a more effective way, again, because they have to. Right? There's a real purpose behind it. Um, we're seeing, you know, I think we'll keep a lot of remote work or hybrid because now they get it, it works, they understand how it can, it can be an advantage for people and they can keep great talent. But again, they got forced to do it. <laughs> I know, but we're humans, right? We don't, we don't come into change easily. We really don't, you know? And I think that if this shows us anything, it shows us that we actually can 
again, we can do anything if we put our minds to it. But like, it's not, it wasn't that hard because we were in it together. You had each other to, you know, complain to, fetch to, and celebrate with, and and we still and we still will. But it is it is funny. I mean, we're 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 pretty stubborn, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> definitely. But I know you have this uh, term that you're excited about uh, of an emotional optimist. So how how does that make for effective leadership? How is that something that you are sort of out out there looking for and, and bringing? bringing as a part of that, I guess, that conversation for, uh, for VaynerMedia. Yeah. So emotional optimism to me, really, you can sum it up by saying the silver lining. And I don't mean that like a pun on my last name. It's really like being able to understand that no feeling is final, that there is going to be, you know, there is another day. There is another way to look at something. Uh, there is support. You know, there are positives in, in most every situation. And I'm yeah. now really talking about the workplace here. And, and really that there will, there, it's everything we've just been talking about. Like there will, something beautiful will come. There will be something that blooms out of this chrysalis. It really will happen. And so the silver lining for me, emotional optimism for me is, is a way to really not negate the feelings, not negate what's going on, to take, to embrace, to understand, to hold, and then to be able to say, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna get rid of you, but I know there is going to be another path over there. Right. Yeah. And and, and that really it's very parallel to this uh, the appreciative inquiry or positive leadership movement. Uh, and that is yeah, like you said, the silver lining, which is another way of saying what what's working, right? What's good. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it, the simple the simple examples. If you have ten salespeople and one is killing it, right? Figure out what they're doing. Talk to them about why they're successful and why they're doing so good. Don't spend your time beating up the nine and ten salesperson, right? Your worst salespeople, right? And why are you being bad? And why aren't you making your quotas? It's why are you that number one? Why are you number one? What is it you're doing? Right? What's yeah. great? And you know, I, I heard a stat recently, which was eighty five percent of our inner dialogue is negative. Mm. And out, <laughs> out of that 85%, 90 of it is just on replay. 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 Yeah. I mean, if that is not a sign of some wasted energy, yeah. you know, only we can get out of our own way, but like literally 85% of our inner dialogue is negative. Man, we are better than that. Well, it's only gotten worse because written language is naturally taken more negatively, right? Someone sends you a text or a Slack or whatever, unless they add an emoji with a winky face or a smiley face, we'll naturally take it a little bit negatively or critically. Um, yeah, so that you have to kind of add some of that subtext in there. Yes, um, right. right. Or pick up the phone. Right. You know? <laughs> and say, like, what did you mean by that? FaceTime. Yeah. You bring up a really good point, though, about what are, what is the story we're telling ourselves, right? What is that inner dialogue? And if that's negative, that's a problem. Um, you know, it is sometimes hard to find the silver lining. I have a friend who's uh, in New York, and she was complaining about on Facebook about how her entire neighborhood and her entire building is so noisy because everyone's gone back home that the area is so noisy, she just doesn't feel like she can live there anymore. And I said well, what's, what's positive about that situation? She went, absolutely nothing. I'm like, but for real, like just even if it's crazy, what's something positive? Well, I don't have to have an alarm clock anymore. 
There you go. Right? She gets yeah. woken up in the morning, and then she said, and I am designing these new headphones. Ah, so she's a designer. Yeah. And so that we found a couple of things, right, that is, was, I understand it's not a fun way to live, but there were positive things to focus on. And it kind of calmed her down, like brought her anxiety levels down in half. Well, that's because when you bring someone's anxiety levels down, their cortisol levels down, guess what? You get better performance out of them anyway. So win-win, you did a mitzvah over there. (laughs) Well, now that things have, you know, focused, do you guys feel like you – are changing the focus of your company culture? Do you think that maybe you're just, I don't know, uh, it, to use the gym analogy, right? Is it in, instead of just doing leg day every day, is it, you know, are we being more, uh, you know, universal or more holistic? I mean, what, what's sort of the approach right now for you guys? Yeah, you know, Gary and I have been talking about something called kind candor. So really, you know, he, he and I are empaths, and uh, we have never been terrific at giving people feedback because we're nice and in in being nice we also created a lot of entitlement right and Mm -hmm. so this entire year has brought it brought the need for culture change in front of our faces and so you know we're going to continue being everything we are you know you can't we're not going to change our wonderful empath stripes but we both are working extremely hard to also be more candorous and that means, you know, really be honest and knowing that it isn't going to land all the time with roses. Like, you yeah, know, feedback, we talk about this all the time, you know, feedback is a gift. And when we withhold feedback, we're really withholding someone's ability to even change or grow or even just yeah. some inquiry. And that's on me when I, when I withhold it. So kind candor is the way forward. And that's something that we're both out there talking about right now. Kim Scott's book, Radical Candor, has come up on this show many times, and I think she makes the great point that, you know, giving someone, being having candor with them and telling them what they need to hear is a bit of kindness, because if you avoid it and you don't let them know how they're impacting themselves and the people around them and the company at large, right, then you end up losing them, and they never make a change, and it's bad for everybody. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Well, and literally, we... we, we <coughs> We trained people on radical candor for three years, <laughs> and now we've just, excuse me, gone to kind candor. Well, that's yeah. an interesting shift, okay? Yeah, yeah. For, us, for our culture. Right, yeah. right. Yeah, it's a great book. We uh, shifted the concept of feedback to feed forward. Nice. And so shifting the language to what do I need from you in the future instead of here's what I didn't like about what you did before because none of us have a time machine. We can't go back and change what we did. We can only change what we're going to do the next time. Um, and so for us, that shift really was a huge kind of change the conversations, change interactions, eliminated conflict. Right. I just wrote it down, so I'll give you, I'll give you credit. I won't steal. <laughs> and, and I will, then I must, I will make sure I give credit to who I learned it from, which was Marshall Goldsmith when he was on the radio show many years ago. So, but we have taken it and run with it. It was a, a great piece of advice. So I love that. I really do. That's awesome. We can, I mean, this is the wonderful thing is that especially now we all can learn that much more from each other and mm-hmm. we have more access to one another sitting here. I'm not running across town, getting on a plane to come talk to you. Right. You know, this is, this is it. This is what we're doing now. So, right. 
I, I think I'd still prefer you to come fly out and we'll have lunch, but, and then we could do it live. But uh, yeah, you, but I, I have noticed that people are less busy with all of the like minutia. And so there have been a lot better conversations and people more involved in conferences and networking events and times to come and just like commiserate and whatever, right? There's been more of that human stuff going on uh, yeah. and less, less planes and wasted, you know, stuff that you didn't need. Yeah, you just didn't, you didn't need it. It was nice for a bit, but. <laughs> well, um, I was wondering, I have a couple, like maybe if we can get through them here, three quick questions before we wrap this up. And the first is, what's the best piece of advice you ever received? Oh, gosh. The best piece of advice uh, is 99 things, 99% of things don't matter. <clears throat> Focus on 100%. Literally, the noise doesn't matter. What is the one thing I should take care of and take care of that? Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. That's like the, the rocks, pebbles, sand, or the ABC, right? You should figure out all the things you got to do today and if, what's the biggest things. And if you do those things first before you do all the noise, right, you are successful. Totally. That's fantastic. All right. And then uh, is there a book that you're reading these days that you might uh, suggest that our, re- our listeners might check out? That's, I, you know, I, I like that question a lot because there's so many books that I'm reading that are just great. Um, one of the ones uh, is called Tattoos on the Heart, and it was written by a, a priest in South Central LA who uh, rehabilitated a lot of gang members, and he did it through, it wasn't about like Christ, he just did it through empathy and kindness and grace, and I believe he created, it was a bad boy, or not bad boy entertainment, but anyway, uh, I'll find out the name of it, but Tattoos on the Heart, it's a great book. Fantastic. Well, don't forget, we will put the link to that on uh, Twitter, on at PeopleG2. If you want to, if you don't have a pen to write that down or, th- or afraid you're going to forget, you can always go, then the link will be there. And last but not least, if somebody is under a rock and doesn't know how to find you or VaynerMedia, what's the best way for them to do that? LinkedIn, Insta, Twitter. Uh, write me. I, I do write everyone back. It takes a little bit of time, but I love hearing from people and, um, would love to know what you're up to, what you're all about. Well, I really appreciate you being on the show today. Thank you for all your patience and us having to reschedule with the wildfires. And it was a real pleasure getting getting to meet you and uh, uh, and learn more about VaynerMedia. You too. Thanks for having me. Be well. All right, thanks. Hopefully we have you come back at some point. And uh, thank you, everyone, for tuning in here today. Hopefully you've learned something that you can use in your own career in a positive way. Until then, do what you love and show the world how talented you can be today. You've been listening to Talent Talk Radio, brought to you by People G2. 